Today we'll be going over our top 5 Seinfeld episodes, and we'll be delving into body odor. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, in honor of the show coming out on Netflix starting October 1st, we'll go over our top five Seinfeld episodes. And we'll be discussing body odor. So awkward <laughs> that's right I, ali i have something to tell you yeah no no i had something to tell you uh -oh. and then the weirdest part uh -oh. is we do this over zoom so i'm not quite sure how we know that <laughs> yeah. anyway your wife reached out to me, <laughs> that's right. me to <laughs> so uh, before we get to all those topics ali something i want to mention to you so i was on reddit the other day reddit i'm spending a lot as of time you are, on because I've, as I've you are inclined to be off all social media from my phone except for reddit which now i just spend my right time well on. i find you're not alone you're the third person i know who has left facebook and left twitter and reddit which i thought was a real cesspool of hate or at least it was at one point has become sort of like this great borderline intelligent discussion board almost it has more potential for that than twitter and facebook facebook is just like okay. you know people posting i got great news today peanut butter is on sale well no the problem is like that's all they write and then they want oh, you to no, oh what happened to today why would you just tell me what yes. happened yeah, you've always hated anyway, that. You've always had um, a huge problem yeah. with that, and uh, you're not alone on that either. So, but 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 Reddit is, you know, people asking for genuine advice. So there's a podcast one. They're like, I'm just starting a podcast. How do I record remotely? I'm like, Zoom is the way to go, from my opinion. Here's what you do. You know, what audio recording software do you use? I tell them that. Mm. It's getting useful stuff. So it's podcasts. Oh, I'm proud of you, because I thought you just went on Reddit and looked at the... Am I the a hole? <laughs> I thought you were just what is that? M A. That's M a, that's right. That's it. A I T A. Yeah. A I A. Yeah, that that is well. But yeah. uh, but on the podcast one, actually, speaking of the podcast one, mm. they had a question, which is what bothers you the most about podcasts. Many people said they hate it when hosts banter at the beginning of talking without getting to Did the many point. Many people say that yeah. seriously. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. All right, people. And so. I'm like, oh, okay, wow. Maybe we should not banter just like this. Maybe we should get to the point of the episode. But then it's weird because a lot of people say they like the banter between us. So I'm, you know, it's hard. I'm not really sure what the best thing to do because I've never heard that feedback specifically about us. So it'd be very interesting for people to let us know if they like it or not. Let us know on, on Twitter, on Facebook, which I do still check, but just on my computer as opposed to on my phone. Or email us, drvcomedian at gmail.com. Let us know. You know, we can always do less. If people don't like it, we can always do more. I think in general, people may not like the banter. It might be forced and contrived. We've known each other since we were born. I think yeah. we have a, <laughs> yeah. a natural rapport yeah. to the point where we wouldn't even call it rapport. It's just two friends. This is a well-rehearsed and practiced area. We've been talking to each other yeah. for 40 plus years, yeah. right? So I think maybe there is a type of banter that's not enjoyable. I've had at least a half a dozen 
if not more, people over the last few months tell me, oh, I like your rapport. I yeah. like your connection yeah, with each that's other. What and that's only really established in the first few minutes. Yeah. So Yeah, because some of the topics, that, especially when I go into the medicine ones, it's me talking a lot, which is fine because I'm trying to get information across. But that's not the same yeah. type of banter. So anyway, let us know what you think. We also have the timestamps, right? We have timestamps, which I put in in the show notes. So if you want to skip over and just get to a certain topic or not, just go ahead and do that. That's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings that much. Good for you. You'll get over it. All right. Should we dive in then? Mm -hmm. Huh? This one's for the banter haters. Let's get right into it. Okay, so Ali, what I want to talk to you about today, so Seinfeld has been on a bunch of streaming services over time, but now it just came out on Netflix on October 1st. And of course, Netflix does not provide us any money or anything for mentioning this, but they provided some money to Seinfeld, the Seinfeld producers, mainly, mm. you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David, but others involved, got $500 million. I'm not sure. The mm, thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I know a lot of us were worried. They about were struggling their, um, for a while, but thankfully yeah. they're okay. So I thought, you know, let's talk about Seinfeld. I'm curious because your thoughts as a comedian, you've done sitcoms, you're doing a sitcom right now, a half hour comedy. I'm just curious as kind of your thoughts on it. Yeah. So why don't we just start about that? And then I thought maybe after that, we can go through our top five favorite episodes. Vulture has a list of the top Seinfeld episodes and ranks them in order, right? 169. Right. So from 169 to number yeah. one. So you go through the worst to the best if you scroll through it. Quite the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Quite the rabbit hole that I spent a lot of time on this morning, actually, where I should have been helping my, let me pull back the curtain in the Hassan house, open a bottle of wine. Oh. It was a sparkling wine. So, you know, the, the, the covers don't go back on yeah. once you yeah. pop the cork, yeah. you know, it sort of expands. I put it back into the oh, fridge no. door and then this morning when my wife opened the fridge she spilled it mm. and so i should have been helping with that but i was like sorry the whole seinfeld i got work mm -hmm, to do mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. anyway i gotta spend the day making up for yeah. that yeah that that could be that i'm sure that'd be gross if you don't clean it up quickly you know that stuff sitting yeah. in your fridge so at least guys weren't drinking it in the morning i was a bit worried about that but uh... no <laughs> thanks for your concern tell me about you know seinfeld and your thoughts on the show and well i've been pretty clear about this my my love was always for comedians who are a little more edgy a little bit more absurd i like race and identity and, and that kind of thing coming up in comedy so seinfeld was a little bit on the dull side looking back now i very much appreciate his stand-up as being so pure and so economical and pretty damn observant he's got a lot of strange observations that he turns into, you know, bits that you remember mm -hmm. going forward in life. You can't see something without thinking of Seinfeld's joke about it. So there is a lot to be appreciated about Seinfeld's comedy, but I always felt the show was something particularly outstanding. Now, I, I say always, but I remember the first season, yeah. I struggled with the, I don't know if this is a word, but the sociopathy and the psych psychopathy, <laughs> a bunch of psychopaths and sociopaths, the way they treated other human beings without any regard and without any sort of human empathy. I was like, oh, I don't think this is a good show for society to watch. But then I got into it and I got over all that. 
comedies, as we've talked about before, take some time to find their footing. And two more recent comedies that I think are like that are The Office and Parks and Recreation. And both shows had kind of – The American Office, I mean. The British Office came fully mm. formed amazing. The American Office took some time. And they had to kind of figure out the right way to modulate, especially the two main characters on those shows. Seinfeld takes a bit of time, too. You know, the first season is up and down. You could see the kernel of something there. And I guess it, when you read it, they were getting a lot of notes like, you know, get Jerry and Elaine back together. So that's why they got back together mm -hmm. at some point. And I think in the second season, the writers and the producers were like, no, this is our vision. And they move forward. And then you can really see what the show was supposed to be about. And I think after, because I, I watched it from the very first episode back in the day. And I liked it. But then, like most people, I loved it by the second season and i was one of those early adopters right like everybody was talking about in the second season when i was already watching it so i was pretty cool you. back then yeah 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 yeah. my wife's not a huge fan i think maybe because of the sociopathic elements and she's a decent person yeah but i i think it's hilarious i think jerry seinfeld is my favorite comedian i think i've mentioned that before on the podcast yeah. i love observational humor i like the fact that his humor is for the most part, very clean. And he thinks, I don't know if you've heard him be interviewed about this, but he's talked about how he thinks that swearing is a bit of a, a way to get a cheap laugh. I think he's mm -hmm. thought that since he started in comedy. And so he prefers to not swear because he thinks, you know, just uttering an expletive can, you know, the room starts erupting. And then, you know, you as a comedian may be like, oh, hey, that worked. And then you can kind of, it can kind of derail your comedy maybe in a negative way. That's, that's his perception. Well, actually, it's a very controversial subject among comedians. Those who work blue and swear stand by it. Mm. I've tried to work clean for the last decade, and I know that it's been uh, financially, for me anyway, much more uh, fruitful. And I also find it, you know, rewarding professionally, because I think in swear words, that's for sure. So there's an extra challenge of, like, getting rid of all that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Seinfeld, when you hear, when you see him at his rawest in various, you know, television shows or when you see him on stage in the movie Seinfeld, getting back on stage after the show in the documentary Seinfeld, which I highly recommend to anybody who's a, a fan of comedy, it still definitely stands the test of time. You hear him swear and you were like, wow, there is power in Seinfeld swearing. Yeah, you talk about the, the documentary Jerry Seinfeld Comedian. That's the one you're talking about. Seinfeld yeah. Comedian, exactly. Yeah, which was great. Yeah. I think I even saw that in the movie theater, which is crazy that I, that oh, wow. I did that back in the day. But that's, that's it's, like I said, I love this guy. What do you think? So you talked about you were a bit hesitant about the show at the beginning. Yeah, I just was like, what does this mean for society? Will people start being like, yeah, why are we empathetic? Why do we have feelings for our fellow members of society? You know, when he was like, I mean, this is later in season, but when George George inadvertently poisons and kills mm -hmm. his his mm -hmm. fiance, mm -hmm. but the comedian in me, in me was like, "That's a hilarious premise." She licked so many of their envelopes, mm -hmm. their wedding mm -hmm. envelopes. She sealed them with her tongue and wound up poisoning herself and dying. I was like, "That's awful." And then also, what a funny premise. So I think the comedian in me came out, and that's generally what happened as I was watching Seinfeld. I was like, "Okay, this is." And as you learn that Larry David himself. Right 
is sort of right. a version of George Costanza. Right. You're like, oh, this is informed by somebody's real, I wish I could be like this. Sometimes I am like this. And, well, yeah. I think that's what you realize. You only realize that in hindsight, after watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, that yeah. Larry David is is the misanthrope, right? And so, and that's the basis of George's character. But I think Larry David is probably worse. Well, he is worse in Curb Your Enthusiasm. But you get that, and then you have Jerry and Elaine and Kramer and all these different, and I think that's what, this show figured out there's barely an episode that you have where it's just focused on one of them right they each have their own plot lines one of them may be more the a plot or two of them may be more the a plot but they all have something going on in every single episode except for one episode which i really like that didn't have george oh yes okay and jason alexander snapped as a human being he lost his mind is that on your top five that's on my top five no disrespect to him. Love him. Love his character. But I actually really well, like Well, why don't we go through this and then maybe we'll, because I don't know what your top five is. I have, We haven't sure. discussed this yet. So why don't we go through each of our top fives and then sure. we'll start at number five and go to our, our number one. We'll pick up some of these things. And if there's things we miss, like certain things we want to talk about, we can, we can mention those as well. So why don't you go first? Number five. If you want to go through this exercise and go through this rabbit hole, as Asif mentioned, this vulture, we'll put the link up, has the link to this list of 169 to 1. This is one of those lists where I'm going to have my quote unquote top five and then Asif's going to mention one. I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that one was also amazing. Right. So this is very difficult to nail this down. I'll change probably tomorrow this list. Like, you know, as yeah, we watch exactly. more and more yeah, of them yeah. on Netflix, it's, it'd be like, it's a oh, very my dynamic gosh, list. What about this one? I can't believe I forgot. What about it, this know? one? There's a lot of whataboutisms happening here in the the good way, Mm. in a good way. I have a tie for number five. I couldn't decide between the two. So it's an episode called The Revenge Mm -hmm. and then another episode called The Gymnast. So just to Mm -hmm. give people the context, if you don't remember The Revenge, Revenge is the seventh episode of the second season. So it's early, the 12th episode Mm -hmm. overall. And basically, it's this episode where George, for me, this episode is about a bunch of things, but it's the episode where George quits his job and then comes back on Monday pretending that he didn't quit. I love this episode. It's not on my top five, but I love it so much. I know. And it is also our introduction to Newman. Yeah. And Newman became such a, like, Newman. And it was like, I don't know, Newman's character was great. That line from Jerry was great. Even when Jerry Seinfeld, in those early years, he was such a terrible actor. Couldn't even deliver the the name Newman without laughing Mm -hmm. a little bit and smiling. And he was supposed to be angry. Still great. When we meet Newman, he's a suicidal guy who tried to kill himself and didn't die. And Kramer finds that very funny. So we're really like leaning into their, um, you know, sociopath nature, mm-hmm. but misanthropic nature. That's probably the word here. Misanthropic. All right. We'll use your big, yeah, word. Okay, we'll then. use yeah. your big. Okay. Word. So that's, and then the gymnast yes. it's tied with the gymnast. Now the gymnast is about Jerry dating this Romanian mm-hmm, gymnast. Mm-hmm. He'd won a silver medal at the Olympics. I think she was Russian. I think she was Russian. I think okay. the Romanian was the maid. Remember the maid who cleans really well. I think that was in the first season. Uh, okay, yeah. I tell you, I am looking at a Wikipedia site that says Jerry is dating Katya, a Romanian oh, okay. gymnast. Okay. That's okay. what I'm, I'm sorry. saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll rewatch it. There's a whole lot of stuff that happens in here. Most hilariously, Kramer passes a kidney stone in the bathroom of some circus place, and he does. He screams so loudly that he makes one of the gymnasts fall off their tightrope. Mm-hmm. Very, very funny stuff. Jerry 
very excited about the sexual prowess he thought the gymnast would have, very disappointed. But the best part of this episode, mm -hmm. which I never stopped thinking mm -hmm. about, was George admitting that he likes to take his shirt off when he goes to the mm -hmm. bathroom. <laughs> yes. And I was like, that is, first of all, amazing. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. And that was part of my formative bathroom going years, I guess. At this house party, he got so distracted by a painting in the bathroom, he forgot yeah, to put his shirt yeah, back on when out. he came. And then, outside. do you remember what happens when he goes to the when he goes to the kitchen? Like at the same party, there was the eclair that was thrown out in the garbage, but he was still on like the piece of paper that the eclair came on. So he eats this is it. The second and then someone... most hilarious thing about this I mean, episode, because my mind has gone there a million times, where I'm like, look, it's technically in the garbage it's not really that far in the garbage and it wasn't it's sort of it's still wrapped i've gone through this so many times in my mind and he got busted oh for eating gosh. an eclair out of the it's garbage, so funny basically. you by the way i'll tell you my number five in a second but jason alexander was on the emmy awards a few weeks ago and they had a skit about people who've never won an emmy and like a support group for people who've never won an emmy and, and okay. he if he, can you believe he never won an emmy it's criminal that he never did i can't believe it yeah he really put his heart and soul into that into that character. And of course, Julia Louis-Dreyfus won several Emmys did. for that. She's, she's yeah, one of the yeah, most yeah, decorated yeah. Emmy winners of all time. I think it's because Jason Alexander, people probably thought he wasn't acting, you know, that he's really like this. Yeah. But clearly he's not. We all know that now. He's not that type of person. But you didn't know back in the day. So that, my number five is The Airport. It's kind of a, a bottle episode, but it's Jerry and Elaine taking this flight back because she went to St. Louis with him. He got an extra ticket. They're on this flight coming back home to New York City. And George is supposed to pick them up because he owes Jerry from a bet. So he's going to pick him up and Kramer comes with him. And then the flight is diverted from JFK to LaGuardia and then back to JFK. So they're going back and forth. Kramer thinks he sees somebody he knows and need, needs to get money from this guy who owes him money. So that is happening, the plot. Then it's the one where Jerry goes to first class and Elaine has to go to yeah. coach and, and just the trials and tribulations of yeah, that. Yeah. And, Constantly being kicked out of yeah, first class. I mean, it's, oh it's great. George trying to get his Time magazine in a newsstand at the airport. And there's a criminal who wants the Time magazine because the criminal's on the cover of the thing because he was caught by the fbi yeah. and then the very last yeah. scene like the criminal george trying to use the bathroom in the airplane and the criminal pulls him in and beats him up yeah but the best thing about this is i like to shop at the duty-free shop you know that little jingle that uh, kramer and george that gets stuck in your i head. forgot about that yeah so anyway that's my number oh, five man. so what's your number four it shows how much meat is in one mm -hmm. episode eh? well so the episode's called the strike mm -hmm. 166th episode I will give you a hint as to what this is, Asif. It was uh, TV Guide ranked this episode number three on its top 10 holiday episodes list. So this episode, therefore, is about, it introduces us to... Festivus. For uh, the rest of us. For the rest of us, yes. Dude, that steel pole <laughs> is still one of the most hysterical things. With people going above and beyond and getting ladders to put the star up and how long it takes people to, you know, mm -hmm. what a great family activity. What a rejection of all that with a steel pole that Frank Costanza just drags along the ground. It's just, it's not ranked very high at all on the Vulture list. And the reason is, and I agree with this reason is, it needed more Festivus. This mm -hmm. episode needed much more yeah, Festivus. They, I don't think and they realized how big this was. the Festivus was going to be. I know. I agree with you, but I'm a glass half full mm -hmm. type of guy. The fact that we got any Festivus at all 
We should be so lucky, you know. But the episode also features <laughs> Kramer was on strike. We learned that he's actually been on strike for 12 years from H&H Bagels. And, uh, you know, the strike's over, Jerry. He goes back to H&H Bagels because the minimum wage has been raised. <laughs> that was hilarious. There's this, this silent 12-year strike. Like, you know, unionized workers who actually strike must have been like, you idiot. The other thing that happens in that episode is George establishes the human fund charity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Fake donations. Yeah. Fake yeah. donations to the human so fund. To reading about the human fund. I was also, you know, reminded of Vandalay Industries oh, yeah. and that episode. I was like, oh, God, this has got to be here. So, again, it's a dynamic top five. But for me, first of all, I fell in love with Jerry Stiller, head over heels in love with him and his wife, Estelle also. How are these actors? That's exactly what active. I thought this when I was watching insane. it last night. I'm like, insane. they are so good. They're just they're so amazing. deep in character. Oh, they're yeah. so great. So I could not have an episode or two without Frank Costanza in it. So Festivus is my yeah. number four. So my number four is from the second season, The Chinese Restaurant. So this is a classic episode. And and it's funny, you you read the vulture list and the vulture list is like it's pretty low on their list. But this episode is what changed Seinfeld, in my opinion, from this comedy that wasn't quite sure what it was trying to do, or maybe the writers and producers trying to get something across that the network didn't, and then they're like, no, this is it, right? It was literally this whole show about nothing, which is a cliche now, but back then, like, that's what it was. It was like these guys waiting to get into this Chinese restaurant. You know, I watched it again last night. I'm like, it's good. The way that they pace things out throughout it, George trying to use the payphone, and people kept getting on the payphone, and then he tells his girlfriend to call and ask for Costanza, and the guy's like, Cartwright? Cartwright? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, oh my gosh. When they dare Elaine to, like, go to a table and eat food off their plate. That's a good episode. Yeah. That is good entertainment. Because that is a close to the end of the second mm -hmm. season, so that really would have been where they're discovering their rhythm and who they are. Mm -hmm. The next episode, this had to be there. So this is the one I, I mentioned. For me, number three, George Costanza does not appear in this mm -hmm. episode. And it's one of two episodes in which Kramer does not appear. And, and the other one was the Chinese mm -hmm. restaurant that he did appear yeah. But in this episode, we dive into Jerry's, this is the 20th episode of the third season. So we know Jerry's parents, but now we really dive into them. I'm talking about an episode called The Pen. It features the first appearance of Morty, mm -hmm. Morty Seinfeld, Jerry's dad, his rival, Jack Klompas, mm -hmm. and Uncle Leo yep. and Uncle Leo's wife, Stella. And as soon as I say Stella, if you're a Seinfeld fan, you should remember Elaine yelling out, Stella! Yeah. <laughs> They go to Florida. Yeah. Jerry and Elaine go to Florida for this episode, which is why Kramer and George weren't in it, although you can always have a B story with this. So anyway, it is this, the episode where Elaine, again, the physical comedy is phenomenal. We've all slept on a sofa right. bed sofa. with that bar in the middle. They made a buffet out of that experience that we've all had. The trip is a nightmare for a variety of reasons. She has to stay five more days because some chiropractors like, you can't travel mm -hmm. at all. So they have to stay at this pines of mar gables or where, wherever they are and then jerry gets two black eyes his capillaries burst when he goes uh, underwater went scuba mm -hmm. diving that was great the whole pen is this pen that you know some it can be they can uh, write in outer write space upside down with it yeah because it's upside an astronaut down. pen yeah it's an astronaut pen and then it's like a whole thing about you stole my pen and you owe me for my pen and those characters again 
these sort of old Florida Jews and these these caricatures of these characters, it was amazing. It was just amazing. They're like they're actually physically fighting. Mm-hmm. Jack Klump is the rival. His teeth break or his dental plate breaks in the process of a fight, and then they're going to sue each other. And it was great. I love that episode. It's interesting. I don't really love the Boca Raton episodes, and I think it's because of what you said. It splits up the group, and what I want to yeah. see is the group. But you were saying before that Jason Alexander had a problem with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Well, he threatened to quit the show if that ever happens again, and he since admitted that he was just you know wildly insecure. You're acting opposite um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You would be mm-hmm. wildly insecure, <laughs> and he thought that yeah. this would mean the gradual fading out of George, so he had a huge fit about it, which I think he regretted, but in the moment, I wouldn't go about things that way, but I can't even hold it against mm-hmm. him, you know? So my number three is the Bizarro Jerry. So this is the episode where Elaine is getting a bit fed up with the guys. And then she meets this guy, Kevin, who is the opposite of Jerry. He is nice, kind, and he has these two friends. They're the kind of the doppelgangers of George and Kramer. Jerry says, oh, they're the he's the Bizarro Jerry. So Bizarro is this character in Superman who is this opposite world, right, from, from Superman. Mm-hmm. So he's not smart. He says everything opposite. So when he leaves, he says goodbye. And then Elaine's like, shouldn't he say bad bye? It's like my favorite line <laughs> from the show. Yeah. And just that whole idea of the Bizarro world, Jerry, and the friends. And then there's a, a scene where they meet on the street just hilarious. Yeah. Well, you have the bizarro versions of George and Kramer yeah. in that as yeah. well. It's, yeah, it's uh, hilarious. Yeah, it, it, and the fact episode. that it works is, is amazing. That's also the Man Hands episode, you know, Jerry yes. dating a very attractive woman, but her hands are <laughs> too large and coarse. And it's also and the one where Susan has died, right? George is trying to get into like a club with all these models. So he uses the picture of the man hands woman who's very beautiful and says that's his ex fiance. And then, yeah. that, then he's like in the club where he's allowed to, uh, to meet with everybody. Just the fact that they have all those different plots going on at the same time, just how they wrote that and how they juggled all those things. It's unbelievable. Yeah. My number two, I don't know if you would even rank this, but, It's called The Blood. It's the 160th episode out of 169, so it's in the final season. It's our introduction to Izzy Mandelbaum, played by Lloyd Bridges, and that was his last television performance before his death. Lloyd Bridges, you can look up Lloyd Bridges if you don't know who he is, an incredibly diverse, storied career. People may know him as the father of Bo Bridges Bridges, and Jeff Bridges as well. A legendary actor, but played this, like, hilarious Trainer, first of all, why would you hire a personal trainer of that age, of that look? He was ridiculously <laughs> funny. I loved his character. I mean, he's a very serious actor too, but he was also in airplanes, you know, those mm-hmm. movies. He's very good at being funny. And then the funniest thing about that episode, on top of Izzy Mandelbaum, is that that's when George says, I love sex, I love food. What if we combine the two together? Because he had a girlfriend who had like a vanilla scented incense that would make him hungry all the time. So this is his like, wait a minute, what if I do what? And this <laughs> so rather than like an eclair, he's like, what about a pastrami sandwich? He suggests to his girlfriend. What an idiot goes to the furthest thing. She's disgusted. Anyway, so he's trying to do it covertly. 
So while she's like under the covers, he's like reaching for the sandwich. He's trying to, he's, that's George, greedy, too greedy, so like trying to have his cake and eat it too. In this case, cake is a pastrami sandwich and just a hilarious episode. I don't know. I, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, and again, like I'm the biggest Seinfeld fan around, so much so that when the finale was coming on, I was in medical school and my roommates at the time was like, oh yeah, I invited a bunch of people over to watch the finale at our place. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I just want to watch this by myself. It's like such a big, oh, wow. momentous event for me. And, yeah. you know, I'm pretty like type A about these types of things. So anyway, I think people did come over, but I probably taped it on, on a VHS tape to watch it later. To yeah. watch it again later. That's funny. I bet Season you nine, you can kind of tell mm, maybe the show should probably end the season. I, I remember thinking yeah. about it when it was on. Some of those episodes are just not that good. And I didn't love that episode. I thought it was a bit too broad, the comedy with Lloyd Bridges. For me, it's because it's Lloyd Bridges, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at it from a different yeah. level. And I totally know what you mean, because in that episode, Jerry trips at home and launches a knife into his own neck and then needs blood from Kramer. So I, I completely get what you mean. Like it was getting... A little contrived, mm -hmm. although this whole show, some people yeah, might argue exactly, is contrived. Exactly. But if you've been a fan from the beginning, you can feel like, oh, okay, they're overreaching a little mm -hmm. bit. And I do agree with that. But I just thought sex and food together and Izzy Mandelbaum ranked this really high mm -hmm. for me. So my number two is the marine biologist, which I think mo most people agree is one of the classic ones. So this one, just, really just so you know, there's many things that happen, but Jerry runs into a friend from his and George's from university, and he just lies and says George is a marine biologist because they were just watching a... Uh, documentary on it and uh yeah. so she goes out with george and then at the end of the show there's this big monologue with jason alexander saying what happened you know the sea was was angry that day like a old man trying to send soup back at a deli and just it's one of the best monologues written for a comedy show and at the end yeah. you realize that the whale he had to save that was uh, washed up on the beach had its blowhole obstructed by the golf balls that Kramer early in the episode was hitting into yeah. the So first of all, I think it gets up on that list because everybody remembers that monologue and it was so well done by Jason Alexander. But I think it just reminds you how tightly plotted the show can be, right? And yeah. this affecting this and this affecting this. I mean, that just was not done back then, right? We're talking like mm. breaking bad levels of plotting in a sitcom. I guess didn't really mention this, but the influence of Seinfeld, you know, can't be understated right it redefined what a comedy could be and i don't think we would have the uh arrested developments or 30 rocks and things like that without yeah. having this type of thing i just don't think it would have been possible even something like how i met your mother with like the narration and, and trying to figure out what happened in the past i don't think these ones mm. would have happened well, I would argue that Arrested Development was far more influenced by Larry Sanders' show. But anyway, okay, I, I, yep. I understand this is very, very interesting. But, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is a huge purist as far as comedy goes. Very big fan of the callback. Mm -hmm. So bringing something he used earlier back into the set makes the whole crowd feel like, ah, we're part of something. We're listening. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's like an Easter egg you find as an audience in, in the moment when somebody uses a callback when they do it well. And to me, that's what this type of writing is, to have George's golf balls be the thing that obstructs the whale's blowhole. I was like, this is like 
This is like a stand-up comic mm-hmm. purist. That This is their influence on a show. Let's have a callback. How do mm-hmm. we make it all tie in? How do we make a set that seems like disparate stories in the moment all feel like part of one presentation? I can fully agree that Seinfeld at work right there. Okay, your number one. Well, my number one happens to coincide with the number one. This is the only time Vulture and I agree. The contest is the episode, you know, people will call it the masturbation episode. It's called The Contest. I just loved it. I loved everything about it. If you watch it now, I don't know if it stands up to the test of time with how highly sexualized, uh, you know, we've all been and what we've been subjected to in the last decade and a half or however long it's been since this episode. But in that moment, in the time, I really felt like it was so funny. And again, George, uh, you know, the, the Costanzas are there. Frank and Estelle are part of this. And Vulture repeats here one of my favorite lines, which is Estelle in her, you know, that voice of hers. I find my son treating his body like an amusement park. I just loved it so much. And the shame of a son being caught basically masturbating by his parents and people's own limits in that. I just... And it's, it was kind of like a sequel. It was from an episode called The Virgin. Right. Uh, right? That led to this yeah. episode, The Contest. So these that was tied yeah. in. And tying so in like one episode two. to another and like these this arcs. Not like a continuous arc. You didn't have to watch a previous episode, but that character appears in both episodes. And at the end, yeah. you know, spoiler, she gets together with JFK Jr., who Elaine was trying yes. to, to meet up with. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time, always trying to go to the gym to coincide yeah, her arrivals yes, yeah. with his arrival. And yeah. Uh, then, yeah, yeah, he was her uh, source of, uh, you know, entertainment and arousal the entire time. Anyway, it was fantastic. And I love those sleepless nights yeah, they yeah. were having, then, just trying to be see part sleeping, of the, the yeah. tossing and the turning. So, spoiler, yeah. this is my number one as well. So, hey! me, you, and Vulture all agree. It's the episode that encapsulates, like, what we talked about. A show about nothing the tight plotting and everything is interrelated with each other. I watched it last night. I think it, I think it holds up. They do something that is really funny. And I saw this in a couple of other episodes I watched sometimes. And when one of them is telling a story, the other ones actually laugh about the hmm. story, like real human beings do, you know, it's, and because right. people on sitcoms rarely laugh when someone makes a joke, right? The audience laughs, but nobody else does. And yeah. it's such a small thing, but I can't believe that they do that because it's a trope in sitcoms to not laugh when other people are, are saying something funny or telling a funny story, right? These guys do, right? They were operating on such a high level. And season four, a lot of people will say is the peak of Seinfeld. There's arguments which one, four, five, six, probably all get uh, some discussion about being the best season. But this is a good example about why season four is the best. A lot of people say four seasons are often the best of, of TV shows. Anyway, yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's the contest. Right. Well, I uh, hope we, uh, we encourage you to go down a Seinfeld rabbit hole. Good news, it is on Netflix as of right now. If we did inspire that. It's available, assuming you have Netflix. And is there anyone who doesn't? There are probably a couple of people out there holding out. I respect you. I admire you. So I think we have a great transition to our next topic, which is body odor, because there is an episode of Seinfeld called The Smelly Car. It was uh, in the fourth season. And I don't know. Do you remember this one? Ali? I do. So, it's a valet. Yeah. It's the valet yeah, yeah. stinks up the car. Yeah. 
yeah, Jerry Lane and his BMW, they think it's the valet who who made their car smell. They can't get rid of the smell. And then it goes on to their clothes. And then, you know, the high jinks ensue. They try and get rid of the car. They even drop the keys in front of like a, 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 a street hoodlum. And then he takes the keys at the end of the episode, tries to, and then like is disgusted and runs off because he uh men are no longer dating elaine because the smell has gone into yeah, her the body smell. Yeah. yeah and so uh yeah i thought it would be a perfect uh uh transition oh it is it is more than you know all right asif body odor what is it why do you have it no uh what <laughs> what is it good for Here's the thing. Here's my here's my connection to body Uh-oh. odor. I'm sure I've uh, yeah. I'm sure I've had it. There's been some sweaty days that I've been uh, part of in my life. But I was in a IT program at a now defunct school. Went bankrupt. ITI Information Technology Institute. This, by the way, people who are interested, uh, this is like you. Correct me if I'm wrong in your chronology of your history, but you. <laughs> Finished your undergrad degree, you worked for a bit, then you did an MBA, and then you said, mm. you know what, computers are the way to go, because this was the early 2000s, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to do this course. So it was designed for like people who have a degree already and who want to learn computers. Computers. In, you, in, you got a couple of details work. off. You're you're like a seventy year old man. He's in computers. Listen, I'm a doctor. I only understand like, oh, you're a lawyer, doctor. You're in business or you're in computers. That's all I know. That's don't awful. tell me anything else. Software engineer. So I don't care. I don't understand. Don't explain it to me. I won't get it. You're your parents' son. You have a few details missing there, which is that I was asked to leave the MBA program. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, my marks were just not good enough, and they were like, good luck with your future endeavors. I went back later and completed it. I had to beg, and uh, I don't know what I had to do, extra work. But I was like uh, at a loss for what to do, and I wish I was the type of person who said computers are the future. Instead, what I did was like, I don't know what to do. I might want to be a chef. My mother goes... Don't talk nonsense. In Urdu, she said, which means, yeah, do not talk nonsense. We're not having that. I was like, damn it, because I needed their help co-signing a loan because my credit was bad enough that I wasn't going to be able to get up whatever, 15, 20. So then I look around at my friends. I'm like, which of my friends are morons but still doing well financially? And there's quite a few of them, Asif. If you've met my friends, you know that. And I was like, okay, there's a bunch of them. What are they all mm. What a coincidence. They're all doing IT. They're all doing IT. They're all in computers. I'm going to go into computers, momentarily forgetting that I am more of a moron than any of them when it comes to computers. And I struggled through this IT degree. Anyway, they didn't go bankrupt because of me. I paid the $22,000 loan, which I never used. Anyway, I'm in this program. And the reason I mentioned it's an IT program is because you have these modules. You have four modules. You break up into small groups for every module. So when you break up into groups, you're in a small room. You're in a room that fits a maximum of eight people, okay? You're in a tiny quarter-sized boardroom. Mm -hmm. And in one of the groups, this was the second module. What I mean by that is we are now approaching the halfway mark of our, whatever it was, nine or 10-month program. Okay, the whole program is 10 months, Mm -hmm. four modules. Mm -hmm. We are in the second module. We're approaching the halfway mark. And there is a guy in my group who has the worst body odor ever. And I have a very sensitive nose. I have a sensitive palate. This is why I'm a chef. 
and it is giving me migraine headaches every day. <laughs> and this is a this is an intensive program. So we're spending eight to ten okay. hours in these small rooms. And every day I'm like, well, should we open the door? I think we should probably open the door. I'm like just losing my mind. My eyes are watering from this man's BO. Every day I hope it's going to be a new day. He'll he'll have showered and it'll be fine. Get to talking. One day he goes to the bathroom, and I'm not one to be able to really hold in what I'm feeling. So he goes to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, am I insane? Or does this man smell awful? And everyone was like, yeah, this is so bad. This is so unbelievably bad. Okay. I'm like, somebody has to tell him. Somebody, has, and they're like, Ali, we vote you. I'm like, why me? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, you brought it up. Exactly. It was the you smelt it, you dealt it version, except worse. You smelt it, you now have to deal with it, mm-hmm. even though somebody else mm-hmm. has quote unquote dealt it. So I had to tell this guy, I'm going to tell you that he was a Persian immigrant. And I only tell you that for one reason. By no means am I saying that immigrants or Persians or anybody, you know, that, that there's an issue there. I only tell you this for this reason. I debased myself. I tried to endear myself to him as much as I said, look, you know, I go through this whole thing. My family's from Pakistan. You're Persian. I think his name was uh, Ali also. He was, there was an Ali in his name. So he's like, that's probably the other reason they voted. They're like, he, the people were like, yeah, Ali, you should do it because he's kind of like you. Was, God damn it. Yeah. He's not like me. He smells awful. So I said, you know, my family from Pakistan, like your family's from Iran. And, you know, I understand we don't always, you know, wear the deodorants and that. I wear deodorant from since I was 12. So I'm completely making myself somebody I'm not just to endear myself to him. And I go through this like monologue, Emmy award winning monologue. And at the end he says, you're saying I smell. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, yes, there's, there's a, there's a bit of smell and you know, we're in these closed rooms and, and guess what happens next? Asif, guess what happens next? Let me guess. Comes back the next day. Way, way too much cologne and uh, deodorant. I would have loved that. Lodges a complaint against no. me. Oh, God. Tells me he, I harassed him. Tells me he can't work with me. Within four days, drops out of the program. Oh, no. Yeah. So I had to go in for a meeting with one of our teachers, and I had to go in a meeting with the head of ITI, say, what happened here? He says you were harassing him. I'm like, what? Now, what was working for me is that all these people had met with him when he complained about me. In person. And so they had smelt him as well. They had smelt him as well. So when I said, no, we were just trying, I swear to you. And I was especially mad because I tried to say us. I was like, us. Us, you and I, our people, this is something that happens with us. We have to be in this country. We have to be a little bit more cognizant of it, all that kind of stuff, all for him to be, you know, he just turned on me so bad. And I was like, oh, God damn. So this is why I'm talking to you about body odor today. I'm talking to you about body odor many years later. Where were you when I needed you back then? But I want to talk about a few things. What causes it in some people and not in other people? Is it different for men or women? I think we stereotypically think men have this thing more than women do. And, you know, is it a sign of something else in your body? So let's let's just talk about, let's start from the beginning. What causes body odor? It's obviously related to sweat, as you had kind of talked about. But sweat is mm-hmm. actually odorless. And by the way, another word for body odor is bromhydrosis. But Bro. the issue with sweat is bacteria that are on your body use it as a breeding ground and then they rapidly multiply and then the bacteria, they will break down things like keratin and stuff on your skin and these 
byproducts of these of the breakdown is what causes the smell and different bacteria can have different smells so that's that's basically what it is so every person's body will naturally have different bacteria operating yeah so it, but it's interesting because you asked about men and women so there are a couple differences between men and women and a lot of these are, are from like scientific articles i'm not the one who's making these um interpretations so but there's certain bacteria like so there's a corny bacterium jachium that's found more in like say the armpits of men and there's another one mm. called Staphylococcus hemolyticus, which that one I've heard about. That's a common bacteria you see on, on the skin. It can be a contaminant when you're trying to test to see if people have bacteria in their blood. And if you don't clean their skin properly, that will grow in your blood culture tube. And then you're like, oh, do they have Staphylococcus hemolyticus in their blood? And then the uh, then you say, no, that's probably just a skin contaminant. So, But the Staphylococcus hemolyticus is found more in the armpits of women. So this is why, and again, this is from this is from a, a source I found on the internet. It's not me. It says this is causes male armpits to give off a rancid cheese-like smell, whereas female <laughs> armpits give off a more fruity onion smell. Can you just picture like an animated cheese going, hey, <laughs> don't lump us in with those guys. Uh, although, so this, this brings up two things mm -hmm. as I think about the animated cheese. You haven't mentioned diet. Yes. And I remember an uncle of mine who shall go unnamed, okay. who ate raw onions a fair amount. Mm -hmm. This is very common in our part of the world mm -hmm. to have uh, raw onions or slightly pickled onions in some vinegar as a condiment with food. This man ate, I mean, <laughs> this guy was eating his weight in onions in a month. Mm -hmm. You know, he was really like he loved raw onions. And you could smell it off his mm -hmm, skin. Mm -hmm, you could smell mm -hmm. it off of his pores. So, so yes. where does diet factor So, yeah, this? foods. Some may make you sweat more. So your hot peppers, your spicy foods. I mean, specifically you because you love these things. Yeah. And, but that makes you sweat more. But doesn't really change your body odor. But aromatic foods, and the two big ones are what you mentioned, onions and garlic. Onion, you, garlic, I mean, yeah. These are, I mean, people think of it used in Italian food and things like that. But really, onions and garlic are the staple of, or the base of so many foods, including many, Indian food. Many, I mean, yeah. you, you need it to make Indian food almost all the time. So those ones will be carried in your sweat and can give off that aroma. And of course, caffeine and alcohol aroma. can make you sweat more as well. But in terms of the scent, it's those aromatic things like onions and garlic. So yes, if you're worried about that, maybe move away from those ones. Sure. And friends, listeners who drink a lot of coffee, we can smell that on you as well. <laughs> yes. People I know who drink four to five cups a day, you know that. You know that before they tell you that. So I just want to yeah. add that. I'm happy you had mentioned coffee. I had forgotten about that. There's something else I want to bring up. We're talking about the division between men and women. I want to also talk about this division between older and younger. I remember, it's actually a friend of ours who passed away a number of years ago. Go to the funeral. The funeral is in a mosque, but the mosque is also kind of like a cultural center. It also has a gym. Mm -hmm. I was overcome by grief, as was everybody there. And then... A bunch of 13, 14-year-old boys came downstairs. They were about to play basketball or they were leaving the basket. I, they had, I think they had just finished playing basketball. That's right. They had just wrapped up because the, the funeral was about to take place upstairs. When they came out of the gym, the smell was so ridiculous. I forgot about my grief for like five minutes. I mean, can you imagine how strong that is? These dudes, and I'm sure we were, no, I remember our gym teacher telling us like, all right, you're getting to an age. I want you to shower. You don't have to do a whole thing, but a quick rinse under the water. I think gym teachers would know best about that smell of young boys, especially stereotypically. 
What is that all yeah. about? Why do we not associate? It's not just associate. Does it exist with kids at, uh, of a younger yeah, age? So exactly. So in, in a similar story, my friend uh, Becky, she used to be a school teacher and she was a middle mm. middle school. So grade six, seven and eight. Yeah. And the first day of school for grade six, like or whatever grade she was teaching, but as young as grade six, she would sit at her desk, pull out a stick of deodorant, put it on the table and say, this is deodorant. Every single one of you must buy this tonight. Have your parents mm -hmm. buy this for you and wear it every single day. And it, that's actually such a smart way to do it because you're not going to be caught in your situation where you're singling out one person. She's like, this is what yes. has to do. But this all has to do with puberty because this body odor begins at puberty because there's these hormones called androgens, which start to increase around the time of puberty. And that's increasing androgens. We don't have to get into the technical details of it, but that's, that essentially is what ends up interacting with the bacteria and these byproducts of the bacteria that causes the body odor. So that's why it's related to puberty. Those only get, what is it, activated yeah, at puberty exactly, or exactly, only are created exactly. at Yeah, puberty? get released, you could say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. couple more questions. Number one, why can people with body odor not typically smell their own yes. body odor? Why is that? I mean, is this a nasal issue? Is this something that's just that you're not able to smell yourself? Mm -hmm. It's too much. You're, are you, you know, is it just on maximum so you can't, because it's all around yeah. you, you can't break through? So that actually has something to do with neurology, strangely enough. And we have our senses, right? So we think, oh, our, our five senses and things like that. But the issue with our senses is they're all connected and hardwired to our nervous system, to our brain, but they act differently. So something like our hearing or our vision doesn't get acclimatized to things. You know what I mean? Like you see something and it's not like something will disappear from your vision if you look at it long enough. Like it will always mm. be in your field of vision. Your eyes don't start to ignore something afterwards. But that's not the same because smell is, is a very powerful thing to distinguish various scents, right? We know that from dogs and evolution and things like that. So you could think about that when these smell molecules bombard our nose, they kind of overrun you with that same smell for a few moments, right? That's why when you leave a room, if something's really gross and smelly, you still smell it, right? You're like, well, I'm out, I'm, you know? Or the opposite, you leave a room and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. And then you come back into that room and you're like, no, it's absolutely horrible. Sorry. I had left and now I come back with a renewed sense of smell. But what happens is, is that you get this kind of loss of smell sensitivity over time. So that's why you, when you walk into like a room and, oh, your roommate's cooking something with garlic, you're like, oh, really? No, there's garlic going on. But if you wait, you know, long enough, as you said, then you kind of begin to ignore it, right? And then mm -hmm. maybe if you go out and come back in, you'll notice it again. That's well studied that unlike other senses, you have this, what we call a refractory period where you can't activate it again. And it's probably because if you kept doing that, you just have this intense smell all the time, right? It would overload mm -hmm. everything because of how... You, powerful the sense of smell is. So there's some studies that have been done where they found like, you know, college students and they put air fresheners in their dorm rooms for a few weeks at a time. And then after a few weeks, you know, they, they're logging, you know, can I smell it? And after a few weeks, like, oh, I can't smell this air freshener anymore, even though it was still releasing the air freshener odor. But then when they go back to this investigator's lab, right? And they were asked to smell a bunch of smells. They still, even weeks later, after it had been removed from their dorm room, they still couldn't smell the smell, specific smell of the air fresher anymore. So it can be weeks mm. where your brain isn't going to be triggered by those smells anymore. 
even if they've oh, been wow. removed. So now you can see, right? You may notice your body odor at the beginning, right? Maybe. And then you think you have it taken care of, but you don't have it taken care of. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's the issue. It's interesting that it's called a refractory period as well, because if people Google refractory period, they'll find stuff more in connection with that final episode of Seinfeld. Well, a refractory we period, yeah, okay, knows. okay, Ali. But a refractory period actually, sorry, but I have to talk about the neuroscience. So when a nerve fires, you have- Sorry, you, he you says, have what's, do it. Well, I'm trying to keep this on the up and up. But when a nerve fires, <laughs> you have what's called an action potential, which is generating a charge and a charge, basically a charge gets discharged. And if a nerve fires an action potential, there is always a refractory period where you need to reset the charge. So that's where the term okay. refractory period originates is. is with that. And so that's why we can discuss that with other areas of neuroscience as well. Okay. Okay. Keeping it on the up and up. There's a pun there, but I want to ask you, what can you do about mm -hmm. body odor? Yeah. What are the solutions here? A, to prevent yeah, it. Yeah, yeah just to manage a normal sort of a body odor emitting, but also if you suspect yourself of being particularly prone to body odor, is mm -hmm. there a medical route to take? I want to ask both those questions. So a couple of things you could do. Obviously, we talked about some of those foods that you could avoid, right? Whether they cause excessive sweating or abnormal odor. There was one study that looked at fruits and vegetables and says men who consumed fruits and vegetables had a more pleasant smell, described as floral, fruity, and sweet, as opposed to people who eat meat. A couple of things you can do if you really are worried about shaving your armpits, because the, the armpit hair helps the bacteria breed and, and proliferate. So that's Hang one out, thing. Yeah. Okay. Change and wash your clothes regularly. Maybe using natural cottons that breathe uh, more, right? Cotton, wool, silk. Don't use artificial kind of man-made textiles. Polyesters? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes a very excessive sweating. There's uh, medications you can take or Botox injected into your armpits. This is really for people mm -hmm. who have that problem sweating. They soak through shirts all the time. Hyperhidrosis. Hyperhidrosis, exactly. I've seen the commercials at yeah. night. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so you can you can get Botox in your armpits, and sometimes they can do this surgery where they sever what's called the sympathetic nerves that go to your armpits. But you can't uh, obviously cut off all your sweating in your whole body because mm. then you would overheat and die. So before all that stuff is just using antiperspirants and deodorants, right? Okay, so that's interesting because you just said you can't cut off all your glands, you'll overheat and die. Antiperspirants, mm -hmm. there's this, can't call it a movement, but there is this chorus of people who say to perspire is natural. You just basically suggested it by saying you can't you mm -hmm. overheat and die mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. cut off your sweating glands. So then is antiperspirant problematic in any way? So deodorant, let's, I mean, I think people know the difference between the deodorants you could put on, you'll still sweat a lot, but it mm. gets rid of the odor. It's, they're usually alcohol based. The alcohol in it is what, what kind of helps neutralizes. Yeah, neutralizes that okay makes the skin's ph more acidic makes it less attractive to bacteria okay so that's how deodorant okay. works but uh, antiperspirant works differently so it uses an ingredient called aluminum chlorohydrate and it actually blocks 
the sweat glands and prevent sweating. By the way, that's why they say if you're using antiperspirant, you actually should apply it at nighttime. Most people apply it like in the morning after a shower, but you want it to apply mm. it at nighttime. You can apply it twice I'm a day kidding. as well, but you want it to work right overnight by plugging these things. So in terms of harm from it, not really, because I mean, you're not putting antiperspirant all over your body, right? You're not like taking that speed stick and like covering your whole body. It's just your armpits. And as we all know, it doesn't work 100% percent right i use by the way mm. too much information probably i don't use deodorants because i get a rash whenever i use deodorant so i only use Aww, i only use cute. antiperspirant so that's one that's one to grow on you could one no, no one cares on. but um so yeah there, there's no real harm i am reflecting also on this tweet that i still remember it's rare that i'll remember a mm -hmm. tweet from six months ago but it was the beginning of summer so it was like early may and somebody tweeted someone from new york city which makes it funnier mm -hmm. to me she goes hey just annual reminder to everyone summer's coming and your natural deodorants don't work <laughs> <laughs> i laughed at that what are your what are the thoughts on these natural you know people just buy this kind of there's a rock yeah a crystal I found, having used it in the past, having tried all types of different things, I found that that crystal worked as long as I didn't sweat more than once in a day. Once you sweat on top of your sweat, mm -hmm. so let's mm -hmm. say you're in the subway mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. hot and you're sweating, mm -hmm. okay, I'm like, oh, no smell. And then an hour later, I'm sweating, doing something else, that crystal has I picture long, you using like a crystal, like the one that Superman had in the Fortress of Solitude yeah. in the movies. He puts it in and here's that, it's that big, eh? Uh, it was more a crystal ball, and I said, will oh, I smell today, crystal right. ball? And the crystal ball always said, you're fine. All signs point to yes. Is what yes. It, no, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how well they work. They, I, I would, I must have been having to research it. I'm not sure how well they work. I mean, I think the only thing is to mention what we talked about before. You may think they work fine, but everybody else, like the mm. tweet says, you know. They yeah, don't don't, don't assume enjoying it necessarily it does. But what about the aluminum in? Because um, that's a thing people talk about too. I said that that's the active ingredient antiperspirants is aluminum, yeah. and so there was lots. Of, I remember when I someone I don't even know how someone knew I was using an antiperspirant. Maybe I shared too much that day too. But uh, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, it has. A you showed them your rash. <laughs> was that a first date or? That, I'm like, this is like, <laughs> uh, like, oh, that causes Alzheimer's disease. So there was like in the 60s, the there was a thought that it was associated with Alzheimer's disease, but that was never replicated after that. But it's one of those things that, I don't know, there are things that aren't, are scientifically disproven that perpetuate in people's minds. I don't know if you can think of any examples like that from the past year and a half, but, uh, um, you know, it, that, that happens. And so that's been disproven. And then some people were saying, oh, the aluminum, some papers that suggested women who used antiperspirants versus deodorants had a higher risk of breast cancer. So that the aluminum and that clogging those sweat glands was causing a problem. But again, when you look at all the scientific evidence over time, that never really planned out. And like, you know, cancer.org definitively says there's no association between aluminum containing antiperspirants and, and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So I'll wait for, I'll wait to hear from cancer.edu. Let me see what cancer.gov. What do they got to say okay, about it? Huh? Okay. Cancer.ca. Okay. I think that's all been disproven with the aluminum. What about, you know, as we talk about different groups and different concerns, what about the uh, pheromones, mm -hmm. testosterones camps who, what is the limit of that where people say everybody gives off their smell and individual people connect with certain smells mm -hmm. and 
Where does body odor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been surprisingly a lot of studies on it. There's a good article in Scientific American where I'll talk about that. So one of them is when we talked about meat, right? So we said that men on a non-meat diet are perceived mm -hmm. by fertile women to be less intense, more pleasant, more attractive than their meat-eating peers. That's kind of based on what we talked about before. Yeah. Although if you've ever smelt a Darien fruit, you know that there's some flaws in yeah, that. Yeah, I thought theory. it was Darien. Did I just say Darian? Yeah, Darian is that's my buddy's son. Yeah, that's my Darian buddy's son's name, and he was at our house I, yesterday. Hilarious. A friend of mine Durian. I used to watch Seinfeld with back in the day. It was my friend Darian. Amazing. Yeah. Hi, Darian. <laughs> Durian is who yes, I'm speaking yes. about. Women evolutionarily have an almost heightened olfactory sense, right? Olfaction is is smell. And nose, yeah. They think it's probably designed for sniffing out males who may be of like a better reproductive partner. So this is like Here I am, ladies. Because you know, th this no. is this is why evolution is designed to, you know, perpetuate your genes in the gene pool. That's why things occur from a biological sense. So and there's lots of studies on this. And so there's a good Scientific American article I'll, I'll link to. So women find the smell of high testosterone males more attractive when they're in the, the most fertile phase of their menstrual cycle. There's also some tests where a female, there's a panel of female judges, right, in, as part of the study, and they have no idea what a man looks like. They rate the body odors of attractive men as being sexier, in quotation marks, as opposed to men who aren't as fortunate in the looks department. So it's interesting, even though they can't see the person, somehow the pheromones or whatever are deemed more attractive. It's strange, right? Yeah. What's the connection with body odor there? Like I know there is a scent coming off you, but you know how we say there's somebody for everybody? Is there a possibility that somebody's, uh, what would be regarded as like a stink from from most people I, would be something that I don't know. I think I think that, I huh? think like I guess to each their own, right? Yeah, onion eating uncle has had a number of partners in his life, so uh, I'm willing to bet there is okay. something to that. Let me ask you about this canary in the coal mine concept. You know, like men who have, for example, erectile dysfunction. It's not really about that. It's something else that's going on in their body and it's being, you know, yeah, manifested. It could, it could indicate you have indeed. vascular disease, right? That's exactly, it. exactly. So is body odor a similar thing where it indicates something else happening or potentially happening in your body? I mean, some people will say that. Lots of websites, you know, again, like WebMD or Mayo Clinic will talk about it. It could be related to uh, diabetes and things like that. Maybe loosely, but I, I'm not too concerned about that. There are some really rare diseases which you might find interesting. There's one which is which we all learn about in medical school. It's a genetic disease called phenylketonuria. These are what we call metabolic genetic diseases. So they're errors in the metabolic pathways, these enzyme pathways in our body. And when you have a blockage or an error in that pathway, it interferes with you metabolizing certain things. So in other words, in the phenylketonuria, you have this inability to metabolize certain things that you eat in your diet, and that will come out in your urine, but it will also come out in your skin, and you have a musty or mousy odor. It's like the smell of I don't know if you know anybody who kept hamsters or ferrets or, oh, yeah. or or ferrets especially is what it smells like or rats like we have friends my kids friends have pet rats that's what it smells like that kind of cage that thing and I didn't believe that's what it was till I saw a kid who had poorly controlled phenylketonuria 
when I was training in Toronto. And you're like, oh yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about. So it's, it's an interesting kind of smell. So the smell isn't like, we would probably diagnose that genetically and things like that, but it sometimes gives a clue. I remember a genesis telling me like, this kid is saying that they're sticking to their special, what we call a PKU, phenylketonuria diet. But he says, I know mm. they're not because I walk in the room and I can smell that they're not sticking to their diet because it was like a teenager. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And then there's a very rare disorder, which doesn't really cause any problems, but it's called trimethylaminuria. And the body's unable to process trimethylamine, which is a breakdown of choline, and choline is found in our diet. Choline helps coat our nerves and things like that. But so basically, you don't have this particular enzyme. So usually you'd convert this into trimethylamine oxide, and then you just excrete it. But you're unable to excrete it so through the urine. So it's eliminated by passage through the skin. And that elimination through the skin as opposed to the urine creates this rotten fish odor. So you smell like rotten fish, which again, it's not harmful in and of itself, but it's, it's just not good to have that. I've never seen a patient with it or really ever heard about that before, but it's been described. Final question. You're maybe not even qualified to answer this, but I'm asking you anyway, how... Do you let somebody know, you know, going back to my short-lived classmate from many years ago, how do you go about letting somebody know? I, I remember hearing about some websites that'll do it anonymously for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. I don't know. Like, you will send, like, an anonymous email to them? Exactly. Uh, Hi, somebody who cares about you would like you to know that you have a body odor. That's a great idea. I mean, my friend Becky, like, it would be great if every teacher did that. I bet you lots of middle school teachers are like, yeah, that's a classic life hack we've figured out over the years, which is... Sure. But when you're a medical, middle school teacher yeah. and then in a position of exactly. authority... Exactly. But what well, do you do when it's like a colleague or... That. I don't colleague, know. Yeah. It's... uh, it's it, Or a guest in your it's home. really tough. Like, over like you know, even like gifting them like, you know... Yeah, I got you a gift basket. It's like deodorant, cologne, is but yeah, soap bars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think what you did is reasonable. You know, I think I think just being straight up with somebody. I don't know if anybody has any ideas. Like I, as you mentioned, I am like the least qualified person to to do this. And if you have more of an avoidant personality, you'd just be like, yeah, I just don't need to breathe for the hour that I'm in this uh, boardroom. I'm okay. It was crippling for me just because of my, I, I only have one good sense and it is my nose. And it was, yeah, it was killing me. If you have some suggestions for the right language mm -hmm. around how to tell somebody, let me know. And I also wanted to say thank you to Suzanne Jandu, Suzanne from the UK, who was in a lineup behind someone for 45 minutes at an amusement park. And that person had a, a horrible smell and it was outdoors. She's the one who wrote to us and said, have you ever talked about body odor? I said, not only have we not, I also have my own experience with it. Great suggestion. And hopefully this was helpful. Suzanne, one of Suzanne's question was... Uh... Can can it physically? I think she probably wrote this at the time. I think she probably emailed she us at the time. Uh, can can it right. physically damage your brain? I think was her question. Yeah. Can I die right now? To the woman standing in front of Suzanne, get the word out to her. I don't think she listens, but if uh, she listens to you, you, you know, know what? Shower hey, often. I just had uh, a great idea. Well. You know what we should do? Remember, we did an episode on unconscious bias, and I was saying if mm -hmm. you think it doesn't apply to you, it does. Let's just say yeah. that about the body odor. If you think it doesn't apply to you, put on double the antiperspirant, put on double the deodorant.
Okay, so that's the show for today, Ali. Remember, we're very curious to hear what you guys think. Your top five Seinfeld episodes, let us know uh, which ones we missed, which should we think about some other ones. Check out that Vulture list. Check it out on Netflix. Again, no one is paying us for any of these mentions, but those are both... No one is paying us for any of these mentions, but those are both... (laughs) 